Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thank you, Scott. And hello, everybody. Welcome aboard the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And I am back in Anchorage this week. We're at the place here for the conservative news and content that you want, where we're standing up for a very strong America and a strong Alaska. And we're always in your corner fighting for your rights as an American. So thank you for joining us today. You can find us on um, mustreadalaska.com, our website on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We've got a site on MeWe, which is a social media that I I particularly love, Parler, we're still there. YouTube, Rumble, and a whole bunch of other sites that keep popping up. I think we're now on the Getter site, which is the latest one. And um, thank you, John Quick, for for posting that for us. I'm Suzanne Downing, and you can also find my column at our partner in um, Newsmax, where I write Must Read America every couple of weeks. And check us out today at mustreadalaska.com for breaking news about how much campaign cash Kelly Jabaka has raised over the past three months. We might be able to get to that today. But John, over in Nikiski, are you coming in loud and clear right now? I am coming in loud and clear out here in the uh, the great unincorporated area of Nikiski, Alaska. And uh, we got dip netting coming to the peninsula. And, uh, you know, it's going to be thousands and thousands of people coming uh, in their trucks in their SUVs and their whatever they can do to get here, some by plane, uh, probably not by train, but they're gonna be here dip netting like a champ. And uh, all we do here on the Kenai Peninsula is ask that you pick up after yourself. We understand there's not too many folks, there's not too many places out here in Alaska where you can do dip netting, uh, but the river seems to be left in a garbage dump state every single summer. So if you do come out here and enjoy the river, make sure to clean up after yourself. I do yeah. have a gold star award to give out today, though. I have oh, yeah. a gold star award. So, uh, if some of you may have seen this, but uh, there was a there was a video circulating on YouTube last week or maybe a week or so ago, and uh, there was a gentleman at the Kenai Peninsula Borough building with a huge blowhorn and signs, and you know, making himself you know look like uh, a protester. And he was yelling and blaring on this blowhorn for, I don't know, 30 minutes straight, as loud as it could go, screaming at the borough uh, administration that they're a bunch of crazies and they don't listen to anybody and, and they're communists and, you know, basically everything under the sun about COVID. And, and uh, wow. literally this guy's screaming at the top of his lungs and he's like banging something in the background, almost like pots and pans. And... Uh, Sounds like a about, real fun guy. Yeah, sounds like a real fun guy. After about 30 minutes of this, uh, All-Star, who wins the gold star today, uh, Brenda Alberg from the uh, mayor's office, comes out and greets this gentleman and says to him, is there something I can help you with? And he goes on about how he's pissed off about this and he's pissed off about this and, and speaking in generalities. And she says, well, I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, you know, what are some of the things you're interested in talking about? And she proceeds to talk to this guy for 10, 15 minutes, talks him off the ledge, gets him to set in a meeting with the mayor. 
And uh, basically, this guy walks off the scene a happy camper. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it goes to show there's still a couple good apples out there in government that will actually take time as you're screaming at them to walk down from their office, step outside, go chat with you, talk you off the dang ledge, and get you in a meeting with people. uh, and what's this gold car, gold star woman's name again? Brenda Alberg. She is the community and fiscal projects manager uh, in the mayor's office. And she's basically a rock star. She handles everything from every grant that goes through the borough to all PR and communications. Uh, and she handles uh, project management for any fire that's on the peninsula she handles. So, well, well, the world needs more Brenda Alberg's and a whole lot less screaming and shouting and coming unhinged at our public servants, because quite honestly, a lot of people who work for government, they do work hard. They do put in full days, not only full days, some of them work extra hours and many of them do volunteer work on the site as well. They're good community contributors. And we don't really always focus on that because we we do have a lot of policy that we disagree with. We have probably a government that is a little bit too big in some places, but not on the Kenai, I get that. You guys have right-sized your government and you're doing a good job down there. But we criticize government a lot, and that's uh, sometimes we forget that we have some outstanding people working in our offices, especially in our local offices. People who work very hard to get things right. So good for her. Yep, and I would I would echo that. We the the borough's blessed with really great staff. So. Oh, that's great. Hey, well, you know, I want to talk about three things today, John. I want to talk about. I, I was up in Fairbanks over the weekend. I went up there on Thursday, and there are a lot of events going on, and a lot of political events big weekend for politics in Fairbanks. Got to see a lot of people, a lot of friends that I met over the years um, that I've been doing Must Read Alaska. Spent as much time as I can in Fairbanks because that they have the most wonderful people there. And so I arrived on Thursday and on Friday noon, I went to the Republican luncheon, which used to be at Denny's. It was always at Denny's and they moved it over to the Westmark because of, um, well, I think they did it because of COVID actually, because they're trying to, um, you know, space people out a little bit more. So they have it at the Westmark now. And um, that works out just fine too. They've got good parking and it's no, it's no problem there. And Randy Rudrick, who used to be the chairman of the Repo- Republican Party in Alaska and is very well known as kind of a guru on elections and on redistricting and on all things politic. He was their guest speaker, came up from Anchorage for that. And he spoke about redistricting. And uh, I was I was fascinated because he said during the redistricting process, which for listeners who don't know, that means we're going to redraw the lines after they finish the census and they produce the data in August. They give the date the, the data to the state. And this is where everybody lives in your state. Now you have to redraw your political lines so that all your districts are even and so that each representative has the approximately the same number of of constituents as every other representative. And we know there are going to be changes, but I was uh, interested to hear him say he didn't think there would be wholesale changes to a lot of the lines in the state. Now, I think there will be a lot of changes in Southeast. I think Southeast is going to probably stretch all the way up to Valdez, um, one of the, that Northern Juneau district, district 34, I think it is, I think is gonna stretch up to Valdez because Southeast has lost a lot of people. But in terms of uh, Fairbanks and in terms of uh, other parts of the state, uh, rural Alaska, the population has been fairly steady. I think um, the big push you'll see is we've got we've gained population in the Mass Sioux, 
And overall, the population stayed, stayed about the same, but people have moved out of Anchorage and into the Matsu and people moved out of Southeast into who knows where, who knows where they go and they leave Southeast, but they go someplace maybe um, where there are jobs, I would suspect. So Randy Rudrick did a great job speaking and, and he's such a brainiac, I, I really admire him. And then after that, um, uh, during the evening, there was a reception for Kelly Chewbacca. And as uh, listeners know, Kelly Chewbacca is running for uh, the US Senate against Lisa Murkowski as a Republican. And she is a conservative Republican and that differentiates her from Lisa Murkowski, who's a liberal Republican. And that that's just a, a really, I think it's a fair and uncritical way of looking at the two of them. Um, we, we see that Kelly Chewbacca has the Trump endorsement and we see that uh, that Lisa Murkowski has the Trump condemnation. So there's quite a dividing line between those two and it, they kind of represent different parts of the Republican party, I think. And um, it was interesting because she had over 40 people at her meet and greet. She had a little fundraiser at noon or, or so, and, or in the evening, I guess it was really after hours at the Red Lantern restaurant there at the Westmark. Lots and lots of people showed up. And then all of those people came over to the next event, which was over at the event center. And for those of you who aren't from Fairbanks, there's a really great place to host events called the event center. And they do an excellent job. The food was great. The service was great. Everything was good. And uh, she showed up, all her people, all the people had been hurt to her fundraiser showed up. Over 40 people walked in and they're all wearing these Kelly for Alaska buttons. So it was quite nice. impressive. Yeah, so they, so they really showed the flag for Kelly at this event. And this event was a, a fundraiser for the uh, Alaska Republican Party. And it needs, you know, the party needs money because uh, actually quite honestly, the, the Lisa people used to give it more money and Lisa used to give it money, but she's not gonna be giving it money anymore. So they've got to go find other money. So they did a fundraiser. They had Colonel Allen West there from Texas. And we'll talk about what he said a little bit later. But uh, then after- So what that, was there Was there excitement in the room? I mean, I, I think that, oh. that uh, you know, you were there, the, you know, like if I go down the street and I ask my neighbor, hey, are you excited about the Republican party? He's gonna throw up a little bit in his mouth and tell me <laughs> no. And, and he's gonna give me 20 reasons why we're, you know, uh, lost all of our um, senses. And we've so, lost our way. <laughs> <laughs> we've lost our way and we're wandering in the desert and, you know, we still got 39 and a half years left of wandering. And <laughs> so what, uh, you know, you, I, I wasn't there, you were there. Was the, was the tone in the room excitement directed at the party or was it more directed that we have somebody like Kelly running and we could have some light at the end of the tunnel? You know, I, I got a sense over the course of uh, Friday where we had these different events that people were really pumped up about Kelly and about the, the party. They were excited and they were ready for new things. They were ready for change. They, there was a lot of civility and excitement about the, just the fresh face of, of Kelly Chewbacca. Now, they haven't seen a candidate like this in a generation. She's well-spoken. She can raise money. She's uh, very well-educated. She, she doesn't make mistakes. She doesn't really say things she doesn't intend to say. And she doesn't have baggage to, that she's dragging around. And this is a really remarkable candidate. So they're excited about her. Uh, but although I will say this is Fairbanks and Fairbanks is also Lisa Murkowski country because she was raised there and she graduated from, uh, from high school there. So she's got a lot of strong connections and family connections there. And people don't like sort of going up against their hometown girl. That is actually really hard for some people. 
but there seems to be a lot of support there for Kelly and a lot of support for the party. Now at the, at the luncheon, I would say people were there just to, they, they, they meet every week. And this is a normal thing for Republican activists in Fairbanks. And so they're not, they're not an excitable bunch. They're just getting there to have a, a nice lunch together and to hear a, an interesting speaker. But in the evening at the Allen West event, man, they were in the mood to party. They were having a great time. There were like over 160 people there. Thing was way oversubscribed. I mean, I saw people I hadn't seen in a long, long time. So uh, Steve Franks was there. And uh, I think uh, there was a whole table full of Murkowski people that were actually at that event, even though it was kind of a, an event that was more oriented toward Kelly Chewbacca. And I tell you, when they, it, Kelly did walk through that event, she didn't like make a big deal out of being there. But when she walked through and then later on, when they started introducing everybody, they said, you know, introduce all the people running for school board locally and who's running for for the assembly locally. And then they introduced Kelly Jabaka and my goodness, she got the biggest cheer of the night. I mean, they were really excited. So that was kind of interesting to see that. And um, then the next day, John was the state central committee. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about that because I wrote a couple stories about that. Uh, I, in the first place, Kelly Jabaka got the, the party's nomination. They got, her, not her nomination, but her endorsement. And that was, not as much drama as I kind of thought it would be, but she got a 77% endorsement from the party, which is the exact amount that the party decided in March to censure Lisa Murkowski. It was the exact percentage of, of votes. And there were 80 possible votes uh, available on Saturday from the party officers and the proxies and so forth. And enough of them went to, I think 59 of them went to uh, Kelly Chewbacca to endorse her. And then there others did not. And I will say that there is a group in the party that is really, it doesn't feel like they have enough information about Kelly or feels that she might be too far right. And they like Lisa because Lisa's got seniority and they're really upset, you know, worried about upsetting the apple cart, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you're going to, if, if, if and when Kelly wins, you're going to upset the apple cart because uh, like Lee, Senator Murkowski or not, she wields an un exorbitant amount of power in the Senate that most of us don't realize that the Democrats want her, the Republicans want her, everybody wants her vote. And uh, we're going to be back to a freshman senator situation. And that is a just a, a rocky, bumpy first couple years, probably. Oh, and even more than that, uh, you, whenever you change over and you bring, you bring up a great point, but you remember Dan Sullivan was elected in 2014 and we call, still call him the junior senator. And it's just, I always hate it. I always cringe when I say, say that because for me, he feels like a senior senator because in, in many ways, he's bringing a lot more to the table, especially on military affairs and such. And you, it's also a more dependable vote in terms of conservative issues. But with Lisa, she's been there since 2002. And I, I'm telling you, she is very, very senior and very, very uh, wise about the ways of the Senate and knows how to get things done. And she knows what she's going to do. I mean, well, I don't know if she knows what she's going to do. Sometimes I think she doesn't know what she's going to do and she sort of muddles around for a long time and then finally figures it out. But uh, she is not inexperienced. And so it takes a long time to build up seniority. Yeah, it's going to be a, a downright, you know, street brawl here 
this this election. It's going to be oh yeah. If, you, if people if people thought the last campaign cycle was bad, just wait. It's going to be a knock at knock down, drag out, punching people in the throat and in the face, and knocking <laughs> out teeth. And it is going to be nuts. Lisa Murkowski, like her or not, she is one smart person. Well, yeah. she is not a force to be reckoned. She is a force to be reckoned with with getting elected, staying elected, and 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 doing things that she's done and still keep on getting elected. I think she was the first ever in the history of the Senate to <coughs> excuse me, Scott. Okay. <laughs> well, hit, me hit, this hit, time. That, hit, hit that mute, but I'm the one who always does that. Hey, but uh, it was interesting because there, I think there are 59 votes to endorse Kelly Chewbacca, and there really is no other viable candidate coming up, uh, uh, and we don't see it anywhere, and nobody's sort of rising up saying, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to run. We don't see that. So Kelly Chewbacca is that person, and the 59 people out of the 80 decided to vote to endorse her, but there were a couple people in the restroom that during that vote, they didn't realize the vote was being taken so soon. They, they popped out of the, into the restroom that would have voted to endorse her, so her actual support from the party was more like 79% rather than 77%. And then it was really also very interesting because I noticed there were some people in that room. I know one, one district chair who was at the, at the meeting and was supposed to vote to endorse Kelly Chewbacca, but this person is a Lisa Murkowski person and this person did not stand to endorse Kelly Chewbacca. And she didn't um, stand to not endorse her either. She just didn't vote. So you had a few people, about five people who just didn't vote. And they, some of them left the room. Um, a couple of the votes for uh, against the endorsement, one of them, for instance, came from Lisa Murkowski's proxy, because Lisa did send her, uh, Leela um, Kimbrell, who's her state director, went as her proxy. And so, of course, she voted for, in favor of her boss and so forth. So there were some people who were definitely Murkowski people, but there weren't too many. So this is a landslide. It's just a landslide for Kelly gives her a lot of wind in her sails. Then it was also interesting, and it, it wasn't the only Kelly that came up. It was the Kelly Merrick vote that was also interesting because District 14, and John, as you know, that, that, that is in a very conservative part of our, our state, which is Eagle River. And uh, it's represented by Kelly Merrick, who is, um, I would say, People thought she was a conservative. And then this year she jumped out of the Republican caucus and sort of joined with the Democrats and made the sort of bipartisan Medusa over there and uh, took, took a seat on finance and, and was rewarded for that. And was been running the capital budget part of finance for the House of Representatives in, in Juneau. And, and her district went to the state central committee on Saturday and asked that they withdraw their support. They essentially censure her. And they've done this before. They did it with Paul Seaton and then Paul Seaton lost to Sarah Vance. And they did it with Gary Knopp. And then unfortunately, you know, Gary did die in a plane crash before anything came of that. But um, now Ron Gillum is in that seat. Uh, they censured Gabby Ledoux and Gabby Ledoux is no longer uh, a representative. They censured Jim Culver and he's no longer there. And so they're, the only person that they've censured that it really seems to prevail year after year is Louise Stutz. She's the Speaker of the House now. And she represents Kodiak to Cordova. 
then she may find that she gets uh, a little more competition because her district, she may suffer from redistricting, quite honestly. Uh, depends on how much uh, the conservatives have to say over that. But Kelly Merrick of Eagle River has now been disowned by the Republican Party. And the wording was interesting, John, because they also said, we will not support her going forward for any position she will ever run for. I think that, you know, it's uh, the Republicans are often late to the party and the Democrats have gamed this thing out, you know, like six, seven, nine months ago. And here we are finally responding to it. And um, I think it's a good step, but this just goes to show me that we, as the Republican conservatives in the room, um, we've got to think more than five steps down the road because the Democrats are already thinking about how to pick off people for next from next year. They're already thinking about how do we get this person or that person to come join our bipartisan group so that so that we can have the amount of votes and, and make everybody feel good. But really all we want to do is get everybody to vote the way we want them to vote. And so uh, this goes to show that you will be accountable also because um, Kelly ran on one thing and then did literally the complete opposite when she got there. And if you do that, there is consequences. If you fail to make good on what your word was to your district, there will be consequences. I think there will be a, in this case. I don't think Kelly can win again. Uh, the Republican Party does face the ranked choice voting problem, uh, but so do the Democrats. But I think that in this case, uh, you know, she obviously brings all of the union money with her and Joey Merrick, her husband, head of the laborers, and he's, he runs independent expenditure groups against Republicans all the time. And people had to kind of forgive her for that. You know, you're not, not your fault that you're married to the labor boss who, who runs, uh, runs all kinds of political groups against the rest of us Republicans. It's just, that's Joey and you are you. But now she's shown her true colors. And I think that, they're, that that's gonna be hard for her to, to run on. And if she had any idea that she might want to run for a U.S. House, um, I think the feeling was that she wanted to run for Don Young's seat. That's going to be a little bit more difficult for her at this point if she doesn't even have the support of her own district. So I think that was a, an interesting move because this came up from the district level. They came to the state central committee and said, we, we are asking you to censure our own House representative. And... Uh, so then, you know, that that did occur. And it was it was a very overwhelming vote. I can't remember the, the exact number, but it was overwhelming. But uh, I will say this in closing about the the state central committee. It is a place where a lot of drama usually occurs. It, you go in it with trepidation, you know, not in your stomach, thinking that the activists of the party are going to all be at each other's throats because these are people who care about issues and they're, they're there to debate. And sometimes, of course, people do get wound up like your guy there in, in Kenai who was uh, making a scene. Um, but in this case, it was very calm. It was very respectful. It, it was, you had people who felt strongly for Murkowski, but they were losing. 77% you know, were against Murkowski. And those people just, you know, it was very respectful. Same with the Kelly Merrick vote. Uh, it went very well. And the whole meeting was, I think, held in a very respectful manner even though some of the differences were pretty profound. And then uh, before we go, I want to talk about Alan West because he was the yes. guest speaker, right? He was, he was the guest speaker on Friday night. And I want to just circle back on that. Me and Jen's talking, we like circling back. Um, 
he was really good. I, I, I must say, I've talked to him before one-on-one. I have never heard him speak in person, but I met him a few years ago in Juneau when he was up on the National Review cruise. And he's, he's a very interesting person. He's thoughtful, he's engaging, he's personable. He's not, not aloof. And Alan West is a, is a, was a colonel, retired colonel from the army. And he's like fourth generation veteran, combat veteran, served in Iraq and Afghanistan, that kind of thing. And uh, he was really in West Country when he was up in Fairbanks. They loved him up there. He was a rock star. And um, when, he, when he talks, he just is such a powerful speaker. I kept thinking to myself, this guy has got the Reagan quality of communication. He is a communicator. And he's running for the governorship of Texas, which I think is not maybe that wise, because I don't think that Greg Abbott has done a bad job. He does. He thinks that his policies on COVID have been ridiculous. He shouldn't have shutdowns. He shouldn't have had uh, mass mandates and shouldn't have closed schools. And so Alan West has a lot of critiques about him for that. And and, I'd agree with that. But, you know, I sort of feel like Alan West has a more presidential quality and that he should really consider running for president because he is that Ronald Reagan kind of communicator. So it was funny because every time he comes to Alaska or anybody from Texas of any note comes to Alaska, Alaskans are always got the same stupid old joke, which is, you know, if you cut Alaska in three parts, we'd still be bigger than Texas, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they, they gotta be sick of hearing that. I mean, we gotta come up with some new jokes, people. And so, so he'd heard that and he'd finally, and he'd heard you know, things about how we, we know our state song and you guys don't know your state song and all that. And so he got up there and you know, he just belted out the state song of Texas. It's a uh, uh, Texas, oh, Texas. Uh, God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong. And man, he belted it out full force. It was, it was just hilarious. Right into the mic. It was so loud. He, the guy could hold a tune and everything. And he captivated that audience. And everybody's laughing and, and having a really good time listening to him talk about, of course, now he's African-American, for those who don't know who Alan West is. A really amazing Republican. He was a Republican from the state of Florida. And then he moved to Texas and became the head of the Republican Party there. And then he stepped down from that and he's running for governor. So that's an interesting trajectory. And he's married to a lovely woman named Angela, who's a CPA and a financial planner, really, really smart gal. So he uh, he talked a lot about critical race theory and then how wrongheaded it is. And it's always refreshing to hear that because he was just just absolutely horrified at what the track and field member when Barry did, but turning her back on the flag, pouting, putting the shirt over her head at the U.S. track and uh, the, the Olympic track and field trials, and just making a scene of herself on the medal stand, disrespecting the country that she would like to represent. And then he he said to everybody, you know, what I'd really like you to do, I'd like you to get a picture of Jesse Owens who was there at the 1937 Olympics and Hitler was in the stands there, it was in Berlin. And he stood there and he, he, he competed for our country. Our country wasn't perfect, still isn't perfect, but it was less perfect then. I mean, we had great segregation in the military and, and all the way through, through schools and housing and everything, employment. But man, that Jesse Owens stood there and he saluted the flag and he was loyal to our country. And he was a marvelous athlete. I don't know, he got six medals, I think. But he talked about that. He talked about the importance of you know, patriotism and teaching it 
to our children. He talked about uh, critical race theory in the schools and the damage it's doing to our country. And so very populist, very popular. And I, I think that we'd like to have him on our show sometime. What do you think? Do you think you could stand to have him as a guest on our show? That would be awesome. What uh, if there is one big takeaway from the night of his overall uh, talk, what do you think the audience walked away with? Uh, they, they walked away with the sense that patriotism is so important to restore in America and that this person who has seen a lot in his life, who grew up in segregated South because he was raised in Georgia, went to segregated schools. There were fountains for blacks and fountains, you know, drinking fountains for whites. He's seen it all. He's not bitter. He's overcome you know, all of that sort of prejudice that he had to face. And he's, he's a fourth, like I said, fourth generation soldier to defend our country, recognizing the good in our country, recognizing how far we've come and to, you know, lay down your life for our country. But I think the, the sense of patriotism and pride, and I tell you, after he got done speaking and the night was over, oh my gosh, people swarmed him and he was just, uh, very popular everybody wanted their picture with them and uh, i took a lot of pictures of people and they were so pleased to have him there and um i think that you know people just kind of get to know him he, he might you might be a, a contender for governor i think there's a couple other people going to throw their name in the hat uh, against abbott as well on the republican side but he's certainly somebody to watch and then um, that was a it was a great event and i i gotta say driving back from Fairbanks on Sunday, we stopped and we took a helicopter tour and you, you might have seen some pictures of me up on, on Facebook. I couldn't resist taking a picture of myself up on the glacier. And that looked like it was fun. Yeah, I had a good time. Got back and uh, posted a story this morning about crit critical race theory at the University of Alaska Anchorage. Oh my goodness, what a disappointment that was to see that. Uh, I don't know if anybody even saw that, but it was uh, in the Native Student Services Department. Did you see that story? Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, it's it's uh, something that I think we're going to be having to deal with, not only here in Alaska, but in the U.S. for the next several, several years, because this seems to be the hot button issue for everybody, critical race theory. And um, uh, now they're attaching the language of settler and colonizer. Uh, the University of Anchorage, Alaska is attaching that to uh, to to people. And I as just a description, think that, yeah, yeah, as a description. And I just think that, you know, this is, it goes back to your main point of just being proud, I think, where you come from. And I think we've gotten to a place to where it's almost looked at as a good thing now in the media and the mainstream to hate America mm -hmm. and to hate American values and to hate the flag. And I saw a video yesterday of this lady was um, tootling around her neighborhood with her kid and a bike. And she was in, she was having her kid pull off American flags from people from their neighbors' yards, pull them off and throw them on the ground. And she was happy that this kid was doing that. And these people they've got to realize that we live in a country where almost every country that is not free is trying to get into our country. Why? Yeah, look, because yeah. our country is free. That is a good problem to have. That we are so free in our country that you can express your views and be fine with disagreeing. That Literally every country that is not free is trying to migrate to our country. You don't see lines of people trying to sneak into North Korea or sneak in uh, to Cuba 
or sneak into these other Irans and whatever. It just doesn't happen. Why? Because those countries are not free. We live in a great country and there's, you know, yes, there's things that are screwed up, but nobody and nothing is perfect. And yeah. let's, let's make it better instead of constantly having this narrative of hate. Why do we have to tear it down? So this is this the story that we're, we're talking about is this Native Student Services Office. Uh, they've hired somebody to run a new director for it. And they describe her as a having settler colonizer heritage, mostly Czech and German. And she grew up in what is now Colorado on the land of the Arapaho, Cheyenne and Ute peoples. In other words, uh, basically, if you are white, they are now calling you having settler colonizer heritage. And I think this is so disrespectful of all of our backgrounds. People who are white might be, you know, you might look white, but you might be Irish or you might be Jewish or you might be something else. And you might have escaped persecution. A lot of people came to America escaping religious persecution. People came over from Ireland just to try to survive, just to try to live. People came over from uh, from Germany escaping persecution from uh from the Germans if, because they were Jewish or they were uh, some other heritage. And uh, now that is being called a settler colonizer. Uh, and it, it's very disrespectful of the history of the world. The history of the world is people have moved around all over the place. People came, I guess, over the land bridge th through the Bering Sea there, through the Bering Straits. Uh, I guess they came over the land bridge and populated this, this continent and all the way down to South America. I guess that's what it what happened. It looks like that. And so people moved into areas and they conquered areas. People who were Clinkets had Haida slaves and Shimshin slaves and Haida's had, had slaves. They had slaves long after we abolished slavery. I mean, that it's disrespectful of people to call them settler colonizer heritage. It's it's a disparaging term and they know it. And I just think it's really disgraceful that the University of Alaska has fallen into this. This is purely critical race theory. I looked it up and I found that Brown University has a curriculum and in their syllabus, they talk all about the settler colonizer heritage person being you and me. And that is considered a bad thing. We have to sort of look at ourselves as having that original sin. And it's, it's, a, it's crazy talk, I can tell you. Sad to see it at our own very own university. Well, Martin Luther King said it best. I have a dream that four, my four little children will one day live in a nation where they're not be judged by the color of their skin, but the, by the content of their character. And I'm still hopeful for that. I'm not seeing that in, our, in the mainstream media, but I still think there's hope for that. Right. Well, we're running out of time and I wanted to talk about the Bronson's uh, homeless plan, but it looks like we kind of stayed in our Fairbanks vein a little bit too long. But hey, everybody, before we go in the rest of the week, you can always find us at our newsletter. You can sign up for that on the right-hand side of the page at mustreadalaska.com. And Scott Lebeck, our producer, I want to thank you for all you do. I hope you get a show out this week. I know you've been on vacay for a couple of weeks, but we missed you. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. It makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. And if you would like to support the conservative side of the news in Alaska, that donate button is on the right-hand side waiting for you. And that allows us to stay strong and independent and thoughtful against the big liberal news media. So until next week, I'm signing off from somewhere in Alaska.